and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show. He's Ramon in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports here in downtown Pittsburgh. And Ramon, the DeMar Hamlin thing has left us uh, speechless. Uh, I feel it's pretty safe to say. Uh, local kid from McKees Rock, Central Catholic High School, Pitt. Um, and then this happens in Cincinnati. And yeah, speechless. Yeah, for sure, man. Still, I guess is where we are in the NFL community right now, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. nobody's legitimately making a move whatsoever, man. And uh, for Hamlin's family, definitely uh, nothing but prayers to them and, and and hopeful thoughts about everything surrounding him as they try to navigate this. Even they release their statements, they don't know what's next, you know, in the sense of how it, this situation is going to unfold. Uh, best thing is he's got some of the best medical support around him. He got, uh, the support of the NFL around him and, and just in general, the, the idea that, you know, you hope all things are taken care of. I've seen this for, uh, firsthand with, uh, Ron Shazier's situation. So I know how the NFL now treats these situations. I know how serious it is for players dealing with this type of situation, and, and what uh, a game it was supposed to be and what a night it actually turned into, man. That was a big, uh, big moment. And it still is as it's still ongoing, man. So this is uh, I don't want to speculate or, or, or anything about it moving forward. But boy, uh, first thought in my competitive spirit was Cincinnati again. You know, not understanding how serious yeah. the situation was at the time. And then you realize, oh, no, this isn't. Um, just a get back up situation. This is life or death, uh, considering what we know now. Now, you guys obviously kept playing that night. Uh, yeah. And I don't mean to, I'm not going to get into a constant comparison between the two situations no. and whatever. We understand what happened to Ryan. We understand what happened to DeMar. Um, and at the same time, you were required, well, and and did continue playing that night. Um, Moan, how? Uh, <laughs> you know, how? I, I think what's different from this situation as opposed to Shazier's was one component. We saw him moving. Uh, I know even I've been sometimes like, why is he giving a thumbs up? That You want to call it corny. You want to call it, hey, somebody whispering his ear, hey, give, give him a thumbs up. I get it. That to me was more. I remember seeing Shazier give the thumbs up and, you know, them letting us know that he was going to be okay. Uh, you kind of really mentally car- uh, just put it in a box to where you say, well, that was just his situation. But me myself also have had a back injury to where I had to get an epidural while I was playing and understanding like this is a fragile, fragile thing that, that we deal with when we speak about big athletes, athletic guys running to one another. Um, but watching Shazier, um, kind of, you know, show us that there was life there. We didn't know what was going to happen afterwards as far as, you know, what his condition was at the time. But seeing him give us the okay, seeing him actually be alive, seeing him move around some, although not understanding like his lower extremities at the time weren't mobile. Uh, that's how we went on. I think what shocked everybody last night, and I had this conversation with my brother earlier uh, when he brought up the fact that, Guys, when you when you compete, anybody, I don't care if it's in any kind of spirit of competition, darts, basketball, football, baseball, lacrosse, don't matter. You go into a mindset, right, DK? When you're writing, you're really going at it. You lock in mentally, right? You're just, oh, I'm flowing. Don't. And I think what happened in that Monday night football game was 
the switch was turned off and it couldn't get turned back on because there wasn't an answer. You know, you know, you couldn't get an answer. What was the answer? And I think that was the difference between last night. The switch of, of emotional competition was off and there was no other way to get it back on. Yeah, that's that's man, I that's so well put. <laughs> As somebody who was there uh, with you that night in Cincinnati, and I remember, and I'll never forget uh, what that locker room was like, and seeing guys who were among uh, Ryan's best friends, like a Vince Williams, just staring like this. I mean, he he was he's on the opposite side of the wall that you were on, but yeah. Vinny was just sitting there like this. And you couldn't even get his attention, mm-hmm. and uh, just a just a different vibe. And I'm trying to think of those Buffalo Bills getting on that plane last night, uh, as they did, and I'm, I'm remembering what that was like for you guys. Now, obviously, I wasn't on the plane with you flying home. We fly independently, but um, as you, you know, as as you're leaving, I mean, I can't imagine that there was even a sound. So that's that's the other portion of it, though. Too DK is leaving. I'm sure those guys didn't hop on that plane, didn't want to leave that locker room and get on those buses without knowing, is he going to be all right? And, and that's where we were. Uh, I, I, I specifically remember us being in a situation where it was just like, how are we going to get him back? Is he going to have to go into surgery? Like all those questions had to be asked. And I got to give it up to Coach Tomlin, John Norwig, Mr. Rooney, Kev Colbert at the time. Everybody addressed that situation. Uh, to where they ease it over with the players more than anything. And I think that's the biggest separator. Like, you don't want to leave your brother behind. And we heard yeah. Ryan Clark speak about, we use that term, nobody left behind. And, you know, this is war, now I go to battle. Like, when you become family like that, you do think in that mindset. Although, though there's no bullets flying and, you know, weapons on the field, you think of that, and that's where we were. And to hear, you know, they were going to be flying them back on the helicopter because elevation of airplanes and stuff like that, that was uh, that was settling a little bit. But the mindset to move forward was, one, you had a little bit of time to the next game. And then more information came within our locker room as far as Shazier was concerned and what was going to be the next uh, methods for him and that he was going to be all right. And the other part was we were able to go see Shazier and have conversation with him and see him smile, even if it was one of those put on type of smiles and <laughs> throw a quick joke and just tell you like, hey, it's it's going to be all, I'm fine. Y'all go play ball. This is my situation. And that's how it kind of unfolded a little bit. Yeah, the Bills, obviously, and and everybody else involved uh, would would give anything to hear that kind of thing from Demar Hamlin. Uh, it's it's a it's a difficult situation. Obviously, it's an impossibly difficult situation for those closest to him, but it's a difficult situation for football uh, yeah. as well, whether that's fair or not. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. You said, Ramon, earlier that we're not going to speculate, and we're not. Uh, and at, at the same time, what we know, and I'm underscoring no here, is that there was a cardiac arrest. And that on the field, that the men and women uh, who who comprise the, the first responding that, that happens at Paycor Stadium, uh, that involves the team's athletic trainers, the team's doctors, and, of course, the EMTs that, by the way, 
every team has at every stadium. And that applies yeah. from high, high schools on up. That's not something that, you know, that the Bengals just did right. That that's for those who don't know that that's, that's everywhere. Uh, they deserve all of the credit. Uh, if there was a cardiac arrest, uh, by every account, if there isn't immediate and proper first aid administered, the individual has no chance. None. None. Uh, that was done right there on the field yeah. uh, at, 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 at Paycor Stadium. And, and another thing, too, man, thanks to them for that, because you reestablished a heartbeat, right? And I think they say they have them under right now. Uh, as far as we know, probably a, a bunch of tests running, just just everything to evaluate the situation. But I, I got to also give it up to his teammates, too, uh, with how production is in the, in the NFL and all sports. Uh, every camera catches every angle and they surrounded him enough to where those images don't get out. You know what I'm saying? As far as them mm-hmm. doing CPR, which we heard for over nine minutes on the field and them having to use the defibrillator like. You don't need that uh, out on the internet spaces. Uh, the optics is is bad enough for the guys that got to deal with it and see it. As far uh, as in the family, yeah. yeah. And you, what you saw was it was a circle of the of the Buffalo Bills and by the way the referees, yes, who issued who issued their own statement and forget these are these are people yeah. too referees. They are. Uh, this and the Cincinnati Bengals and and Joe Burrow I saw were 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 partaking. Uh, as well, and and then Moan, it ends up becoming it's human reaction to get angry when things happen that we don't like, and even if it's not anybody's fault, everyone seems to want to pile on to the NFL and the NFL Players Association and everything like that. There was some word that the National Football League wanted everyone to restart or have five minutes to warm up. I've not heard that confirmed. By anyone, yeah. okay. Troy Vincent, in fact, who you know quite well as having mm-hmm. been the, the the union rep in Pittsburgh, Troy Vincent was adamant, and I mean yeah. passionate, that no such conversation ever took place, and it absolutely would have taken place in conjunction with the players' association. So, but people will get mad, Moan. You know, they'll get mad at somebody. They'll get mad at Skip Bayless. They'll get mad at somebody. You know, yeah, they will. And like you said, when you don't have answers right in front of you, that does make you a little ticked off. That does take you to a place where why don't you have answers? Well, the answer to that is we don't have an answer. We we don't know what we what you what what we don't know. You don't know it, so we don't know it. Uh, and, and that's just how it goes, man. I, uh, of course, and, and my, my thing was this, a lot of people made a, a big, uh, fuss about whether it was the coaches and players making the decision mm-hmm. not to play or whether it was the NFL. And my situation, my, my standpoint was this number one, the NFL has the biggest dollar and the biggest networks to communicate throughout everybody. And they fed information to the networks. And so the casual listener, casual person that's tweeting about it, retweeted what the NFL said. Most people assume that the players said this, this, okay? Mm -hmm. So whether it was the network that the NFL fed information through or whether it was the players, guess what? It's irrelevant. We're talking about not just a uh, a B or C game on CBS or some other network, right? This was the primetime game in which the number one show in America, right? 
everybody saw this. It has the most viewers and most eyes. The lead up to it was in front of everybody. And I think that's why the biggest shock factor is of it all, DK. That's why it was so important to get this right. That's why it's easy to formulate opinions and bad takes by assuming one way or another that you have an answer already. There wasn't an answer. The best answer was to just wait and be quiet until we figure out what's next. Heck, I went to go take a shower during the game after, I think, right before that play happened or right during that play. I come back out, and I see the players still on the field. I'm like, what are they still doing on the field for? That was a long time of trying to figure out what was going on. And then on top of that, you can't move a body like that. So – you have to just sit still those everybody around it had to just be in that moment as where we are right now you know uh the other thing that's going to come of this and again i think a lot of this is it's it's anger that's being directed in whatever direction that Mm -hmm. somebody can find you know you obviously can't come close to being angry at t higgins that was a as a routine, a football play as exists. And again, another similarity between this and, and, and Ryan's play in Cincinnati. We don't even remember who that was, you yeah. know, that, that, that was involved in that play. Why? Because I it didn't matter. I, I couldn't, I couldn't right now. And, and as a I reporter, couldn't. I'm sure I had to write it several times. doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's a football play, but here's another thing. It's not just a football play. Mm-hmm. You know, as someone who presides over youth sports, who has your own kids in youth sports right now, that there's protection against the heart when it comes to when it comes to uh, baseballs, balls yep. coming chest up, plates. come back, chest plates coming back to the mound. RJ's a pitcher, mm-hmm. um, you know, and this is now becoming a more common thing uh, in yep. baseball, in football. Maybe this will lead to that, even though it's it's seen as literally a once in a million incident. And and, and th- there's other measures that's been taken too. You know, as, as far as I used to bring up baseball because my kids played and we're, we're in it deep, right? Uh, changing of the bats, those hot aluminum bats. You know, you go to composites where it's not just the, the 1990s where it's just rocketing off the bat. Why, DK? That's a health set. That's a uh, health hazard, man. That is a weapon and it still is, but at least they take a millisecond or two off of it, right? Uh, but this also goes to the fan, man. And I'm sure this conversation will come up when we speak about the Steelers because we play a style of football or just in football in general. The game's too soft. You know that conversation that always comes up? All no, the time. It, it's not soft. It's governed a different way because you know more. Uh, but I'll say this. The athlete, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong, uh, the athlete that we know now – isn't the athlete that played in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Heck, probably not even in the 90s. The The money structure makes it different. Guys can train all year long now. Those early Super Bowl Steeler teams, those guys still had to go get jobs in the offseason. Everybody and everything is bigger, stronger, faster. The humans are bigger. That's just yeah. simple evolution. Okay, if you ever go to a place like a Fenway Park or a Wrigley Field and walk around those concourses, you go, oh, people used to be really small. Yeah. And you're ducking, you're ducking under all the girders, and you can't even come close to fitting in the little seats. That's why. That's why. The equipment, you mentioned aluminum bats, but it goes 
to other sports, uh, you know, the, the, the composite sticks in hockey where you can shoot the puck 110 miles an hour right at Jeez. somebody's chest. You know, now the goal, yeah. obviously goalies are well protected and so forth, but the point stands that there's only so much that you can add to a sport when it comes to bigger, stronger, faster, whether it's yeah. people or equipment, without the one part of the equation yeah. not changing. And that is there's still a human brain and a human yeah. heart and a human spine that's involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's why I want to go. There's two components of this that I want to hit right there, and that's the athlete hasn't changed. I'm not disrespecting those guys that played in that league. Heck, it's some that will flourish, okay, in this era of football or in the 90s, whatever you want to say. There are some guys that just ball out, and, heck, all of them probably still would have made teams in this era of ball, DK. Uh, so I'm not minimizing that. But what I will say I've always questioned uh, helmet safety. I know that for a fact. Remember when we have all the Lance Frank injuries of the foot? Mm-hmm. What are we doing with the shoe technology? Uh, I've seen guys come into the league. I know one guy specifically, man, for sure. Uh, Leonard Fournette, running back for Tampa Bay Bucks. He still plays with his LSU shoulder pads. You look at his jersey underneath, it's purple and gold. The technology Why? of shoulder pads, because they're comfortable, uh, because geez. he's used to them. The idea that change or new technology, you know, these are my trusty dusties and I'm going to roll with them. But I think this raises the, the concern now the same way we've brought up research of the helmet and concussions and trying to protect players. I think now you got to expand it a little bit more. Well, what else do we need to start studying? Uh, what about thigh pass, which I'll be honest, my first two or three years in the league before they even made it like a fine and they started checking guys, I didn't wear thigh pass, DK. I couldn't wait to take them out. But now I understand when I'm about year seven and I get a, a shoulder pad across my thigh and I'm like, whoa, that could have got ugly if that was still the young me. You know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. uh, this situation with Hamlin to where what, – what are you doing with the pads inside of the shoulder, uh, shoulder pads that guys wear? What is the technology? Have you guys studied that? Have you looked at it a little bit more? That's the part that people use the most. Offensive line, I'm going to use my shoulder pass. I'm going to clean a guy up. Watch what I do with my shoulder pass. What are we doing to protect that guy? And the second part I think is super important is we saw Coach Tomlin speak a little bit to DK. The family and what the NFL is, is. You know, I said it all the time. Like, the same guy I hate on Sunday, I'll dap up and can't wait to kick it with in the offseason. You know what I'm saying? Seeing mm-hmm. that family come together. And this time around, the NFLPA side, the NFL side, every component of the NFL bonding and banded together, I think is really cool. And that needs to be highlighted too, because at the end of the day, everybody wants to go home, make a living for their family and live out their passion. And as Ryan Clark said, man, you never want to see your dream become a nightmare. And that's kind of what we're seeing as a fan base, you know, of the NFL right now, hoping this, this kid is going to be all right. And specifically out of Pittsburgh, this is a guy that chose to stay home when he could have went to Ohio state, Michigan, and he said, no, nah, I'm going to be here, one, because he had his little brother that was there. But the other portion of it is he's a Pittsburgher. He's a Yenzer. You brought it up a second ago that he re- he was pretty much raised with Coach Tomlin's son. I probably saw this mm-hmm. kid in the summertime doing on-field drills and stuff. So that's how close and connected the NFL is. And, and we are as people need to be a little bit more often, you know? When we come back, the only segment that matters. Hey, mom.
Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. It's time for the only segment that matters. That's brought to you always by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where quality is at the core of every menu item. Three expert chefs fine-tune every detail so that every sub-burger, salad, wrap, drink, and app is crafted for craveability. Order your favorite entry at Get-Go Cafe and Market today. Better believe it. Moan. George Mitchell II comes in with... Let me back up here. <laughs> hey, Moan! Can we all agree that Mike Tomlin and the Steelers dodged a bullet by drafting Kenny Pickett rather than Malik Willis? Oh, yeah. Hey. George is hey. ready to bury Malik Willis, but you know what? So's everybody down your way, right? They are. You know what, though, DK? I've kind of said this. Uh, this is how the league works, man. When you're a third or fourth round guy, you got to get your shot fast. You have to. Um, what do you, simply what do you because, mean by that? Because in today's NFL, everybody drafts their guy in the first round. They do. They they draft their guy in the first round. Um, I don't care if it is Zach Wilson, who you're kind of fizzling out right now. Uh, but what's happening with him? He's out in there looking for somebody else. Only time mm-hmm. a guy in a later round gets a shot it's because you were evaluated for a third or first, fourth rounder for a reason. The NFL sticks by their guns with those measurables. Uh, he's got this knock. He's got that knock. That's a knock on him. I like this, a little bit of that, and maybe he can grow if given an opportunity. Thing is, those guys don't get that opportunity. You, you got to think if you're a third or fourth round guy, that means you're a uh, depth guy. <laughs> you're a guy that's, you know, he'll be a good backup. We'll save some cap because the guy that's a backup right now is probably too expensive. We'll get him, you know, for about four years. Only situation I can think about that worked out well, it's a couple. Uh, Russ, well, he went into a situation had a great run game. But the one specifically where quarterbacking kept him on the field was Dak Prescott to me. Romo gets hurt. Dak goes in, has the tangibles to crush it, and they, lo and behold, they get momentum and believe in him. Malik's Mm -hmm. not going to have that opportunity. Uh, and Kenny got that opportunity. One, because he's a first-rounder. We got to play him at some point. Uh, and then you look at the aspect of let him grow, which what what we said early in this process, did we not, DK? He's got to mm-hmm. grow. He's got to learn. He got to know how to play in this NFL. But you say dodge the bullet, George, and this is where it's at. It's a matter of really knowing how to scout and what you need for your team, too. Everybody not Kenny. Well, he's got small hands and all this type of genre that you want to just throw out there. Kenny played in that environment in Pittsburgh. He's won big games in that environment in Pittsburgh. And you look at what they did last year as compared to what they did this year without Kenny Pickett. This guy was a Heisman finalist. Those things kind of measure up. And this this Steelers organization has a really good job of evaluating, you know what I'm going to say, winners. Can you win? Ben, coming out of Miami over Ohio? Why did they go get Ben? Well, his numbers were pretty good. But Ben was a winner at Miami of Ohio. Mm -hmm. Malik Willis, 31 of 61, obviously a 50% completion rate for 276 yards, averaging 4.5. No touchdowns, three interceptions. He was benched in favor of our old friend Josh Dobbs the other night, and he will remain benched in favor of Dobbs as the Titans wrap up their season this weekend. And we all know where Kenny is heading. I, I do feel, though, obligated to share here, Moan, that 
the idea that the Steelers were sitting on Willis or that they chose Kenny over Willis is not necessarily rooted in fact. Um, just because we in the public talk about something where we try to interpret, oh, Mike Tomlin was all over Willis at that workout or that combine or whatever else. Mike Tomlin is just like that. He, he, he did it with Justin Fields. Uh, he is, you, you use the term football junkie. That does not mean the Steelers were going to draft Malik Willis. It just doesn't. No, and I'll be completely honest with you guys. So, Coach Tomlin liked to see people win. Like he liked to see dudes who, hey, that's a bad dude right there. You know, <laughs> you know how many times I've seen this guy go over to an opposing defensive line and just be like, hey, I love what you got on your tape. He's over there just chopping it up with him. And I'm like, Coach T, and you're like, what the hell hey. are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're over here. <laughs> This you gotta come pep us up, but again, he's such a I, I like to use the word curator of the sport to where he enjoy watching people do good things. Uh, what's the defensive end out of Ohio State with the with the Washington Commanders? Chase. Um, oh, um, uh, I because he did it here with him. Yeah, yeah. he, he, he was him, all him. over him. Yes, he was, man. Uh, I'll look it up while you talk Chase about Young, it. Chase Young. Chase, Chase Young. Young. And he's going, he went over to Chase Young and he's like, he is like, I just got to tell you, we were all over you. He was so <laughs> clear about it. Like, but he knew he wasn't going to get him. I've seen him do the same thing with Dunlap, Calais, Campbell, Haloti, not Suggs. I've seen him do it because you, you want to see certain people. Not He want to see all young players win. I, I got to give that to him. And Malik mm -hmm. did some real dynamic stuff at that pro day. He did. And, and, and it was a it was a winning setup too, where there was yeah. something that happened near the end of that workout where where Willis was you, you could see it on video where Willis was doing like a lap yeah. after he yeah. did something. And you could see the big grin on on Tomlin's face over on the one sideline while Kevin Colbert's just standing over there going like this. <laughs> Yeah, but but Tomlin uh, is like, "Woo, this is great!" Yeah, it does. He, he probably reminds doesn't him mean of he was son. being drafted. It doesn't mean Ooh. he was being drafted. And what what happens too in that time of the year too, DK? Like teams will allude to what they're going to do to make them choose somebody that they're never going to pick. Yeah, just because we were sitting there when that pick came, <laughs> we were sitting there going. It's Pickett versus Willis. It's Pickett versus... But it wasn't that way with them. We saw very, very clearly who it was that they wanted because they were jumping up and down in the background. Yeah. Okay, We saw that on those, those film productions that they had after the fact. So yeah. don't buy that they got lucky or they narrowly escaped something. And by this the way, the don't bury thing. a 23-year-old quarterback either. No, no, you're we're not burying him. The other thing, though, too, DK, that we won't speak mm. about when it came down to Kenny Pickett, they saw that guy every single every day. day. Did you hear how Tomlin answered my question uh, just now in Baltimore when yeah. I asked? Yeah, I asked, I asked, like you know, about the winning component, whatever. He said it's all about the proximity, and I'm wondering <laughs> what, what did he mean by proximity. And I has I kind of like tilted my head a little bit, and he goes right next door. We knew exactly yeah. what he was all about with Pitt. We knew exactly what he was. We didn't have to wonder about that. That's the same way they felt about Aaron Donald. It's been numerous guys that he said that are like, I won't be able to get them, but I know what we're getting ourselves into. 
Uh, so yeah, man. Again, another one of those moments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Appreciate the question, George. Appreciate everybody watching the Ramon Foster show. And we'll do another one of these tomorrow, right, Mom? Absolutely.